play both kinds of music here. <laughs> country and country western. Country and western. <laughs> and whatever this is. Uh, I, it's the Nernio music. Dog, dog whistle music. <laughs> it's Ed, Ed, Ed Nail's intro music is what it is. He's the chairman of the Coalition of New Hampshire Taxpayers. And in addition to uh, keeping an eye on local government, school districts, towns, deliberative sessions, all that fun stuff, the right to know law, and oh, so much more, he's the vanguard of the uh, voter fraud crusade, anti-voter fraud crusade here in the Granite State, and one of the key players in this movement across the country, and he joins us every Wednesday morning only on Drive at Large. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Rich. How are you? I'm up. I'm here. <laughs> I made it. Bob Bevel's here. Bob Bevel's here. Can it get any better? I think Bob's going to hang around. He's got some coffee in him now. He's got, so do you, uh, tell what? me you didn't get in a suit and tie just to come on the radio show. Only for you, Rich. Only for me. There you go. He can see himself <laughs> on his computer screen at home, so he wants to be dressed. Oh, my head. 606-6762 is our call-in number. That's 606-6762. Ed, what you got for us today? Let's recap this mess we have. Right. Recap this mess we have. Let's All recap right. the mess that is the elections in the state of New Hampshire. Okay. The federal elections, which we hold here in New Hampshire. Okay. Right. So this isn't just ours little at-home elections. These are for U.S. senators and congressmen. And right. President. So people like Carol Shea Porter can get elected and say that uh, Las Vegas is evidence of the need for campaign finance reform. Right. She right. represents a lot of what? New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. lo- little sent localities. sent it out in a tweet. Yeah. So what else is she going to do? She's a liberal. So that's that's the name of the game. <laughs> She's it's, a loser. It's tattooed right on her. She has to look at her arm and she, oh, yeah, I'm for this, against that. <laughs> and uh, at least she didn't think, uh, what was it, Puerto Rico is an island and it might tip or something. We had a congressman yes, that thought did. that some, some island would tip. We had a congressman that yeah. did that and the uh, uh, defense secretary that answered that did it very deftly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put anyway, too many tanks there. It might, it might tip the island over. Here's what we have. In New Hampshire... Yes, yeah, it's, it's seriously a congressman. <laughs> Dead caught. serious. They went on for about five minutes during oh, the congressional hearing good, about it. That's good stuff. Oh, well, that's okay. At least Benghazi's not in the Middle East. <laughs> Here's what we have for a recap. In New I Hampshire, that was a pizza place over on Mass Street. Yeah. In New Hampshire, we play games with the, the definition of domicile. So what we've done is we have you have to. And our constitution says you have to have a domicile to vote in your town or ward. It's real simple. It's the first sentence of yeah, Article. It's the Constitution 11. for crying it's out constitution, loud. Constitution. No, so and the courts always use a dictionary to define words when they have a problem with a word. Uh, unless, it, unless it's domicile. Unless it's domicile. Domicile, we pretend like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't touch that. We can't go to another court case from another state. We can't go to Webster's or Black's Law Dictionary. We're, we're going to reverse the meaning. So in New Hampshire, you can have a domicile for voting and a domicile for your driver's license in another state. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Now, here's what happens. Here's what happens when you mess with that stuff. First of all, we've laughed about this. The application for in-state tuition oh, in the state of New Hampshire uses domicile properly. And you have to sign an affidavit. I yeah, mean, you have to get it notarized and everything. Yeah, and, and at the beginning of it says uh, residency, proof of residency for in-state tuition. And it says residency, 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 all throughout the, the document. I've showed it to you. You have to, mm-hmm. you posted it. And then where it says you have to sign under penalty of perjury, put down your domicile. That's the correct usage right. because residency is how we speak. We say, oh, you're right. resi- where are you resident of? You don't use legal terms. So that's how it works. So the, the, the state colleges actually have their attorneys drafted these documents correctly because that's the correct meaning. When we had a, a case, uh, Anna Marie Guerre versus the state of New oh, Hampshire, yes. three times our attorney general's office stipulated that residence was your single legal domicile 
Mm-hmm. And domicile, you could have multiples. You could have them for different things, like bowling. You have a domicile for bowling, domicile for camping, domicile for voting. So that's what here, here's what happens. So once you get into like picking jury duty, now what do we do? Right? We have a statute, RSA 500. I sent this to you, Rich. It's RSA uh, 500A1. The master list, right, of people who are going to get picked for juries is supposed to be comprised of registered voters and persons 18 years of age who have current New Hampshire driver's license. So if you have a domicile in Connecticut for your driver's license and a domicile in New Hampshire to vote, mm-hmm. how do you get picked for a jury? Mm, I guess uh, New York State gets to pluck you and say you'll be a jury here. Yeah, no, I can't get plucked by New York State because I have a New Hampshire driver's license. Oh, but, that's right. Massachusetts, because Connecticut and New Hampshire are on either side of Massachusetts. So if you've got domicile, and it's like an Oreo cookie. You get to be the fluff in the middle for, for jury duty, right? right? So try telling Connecticut. When Connecticut says, hey, we, we pulled uh, your name for jury duty, you say, I already served in New Hampshire. I can't. I can't. Do I have to serve? Do I have to serve twice? Do we? Here, here's one I, I well, asked. But now, New Hampshire, I mean, New Hampshire takes jurors not from its uh, registered uh, uh, driver's licenses, but from its registered voters. Has a blended list. It it's supposed to have list. a blended list, which changed back in 1993 <clears throat> because I became a selectman in 1996. And I, I said, when do we pick juries? So, oh, that changed. There, the federal government stepped in in 1992, I think it was, and said, because of the problems with selecting juries across the United States, here's our suggested method for selecting juries. So the federal government's already come in on this once because of states playing games with making sure certain people wound up on juries. And New Hampshire was checked way back then, and they were having uh, selectmen were picking friends and relatives, or they'd pick somebody they didn't like, and they said, we want to make this more, I'm going to say, even-handed. Bob? So when I lived in Texas, we had what was called motor voter law at that time. And there were lots of minorities who complained that they were getting picked all the time for jury duty. And they'd lose their jobs. And so that was why they were quitting voting. So they didn't vote because they didn't want to get picked for jury duty. They had uh, lower wages, lower uh, paying jobs, and they didn't want to lose their jobs. So this became a civil rights uh, discrimination issue. Still is. So that's when Texas, in the late 80s, Changed the law to include the driver's license so that they could get a mixture of everybody for the jury pools. What well, was there? Was there any evidence that minorities were being called on more often than white people oh, for yeah. juries? Oh yeah, because when they came into the pool, that's who the uh, the attorneys wanted. They wanted to have a mixture so that it was all okay. On so, there, so, but they weren't being called disproportionately for jury duty. They were just they, they're saying they were being picked disproportionately by attorneys. To be on the juries. Right. So when you show up for jury duty, you know, 90% of the time they send you home because they've already picked it or the, you know, the panel's impaneled from another time. But uh, it just it just started to be a cascading effect because if you were on the list and you tried to vote and you were a minority, it, it became obvious. And it, it uh, affected your ability to keep your job. It, now, the other part of this is, let's stay on that train of thought. How do you pick a jury in, uh, in around Durham or up near <laughs> Hanover? So in, in traipses, you say you randomly take the – now remember, when you pick people for jury duty, it's it's off of the uh, registered voters. It doesn't say domiciled individuals. It doesn't say residents. It says registered voters. So you can easily, in New Hampshire, thousands of people are registered to vote in New Hampshire are not res, are registered to vote here but are not domiciled here legally or even residents. They're just – their name is on the voter checklist. We just took how many off of Manchester? Uh, almost 8,600. Okay. So you're sending out – if you're using the uh, voter 
database. Yeah. Well, Matt, our, our city clerk here actually about every five years goes through his own purge, and in the last two purges, he's removed uh, roughly 8,600 voters uh, from the list both times. This time, by the way, I get the stats for you. I'll take them. 25 people out of 85, uh, out of 8,700 things that were mailed, 25 people said, keep me on the list. Well, last night was 103. 54%, 54% of them came back undeliverable. Right. So if you're going to use the voter checklist as your statewide, the secret statewide voter database as the checklist, as the voter list you're going to use to pick juries, what kind of a mess do you make when you start picking people from Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, Maine, and they show up well, if they have to? But why would they even show up for, for jury duty? So you'd go and pick, let's say, 175 people to be the original poll. How many are going to even show up if they're not even from another from the state? They don't have to. What, are you going to go to Connecticut and go pick up somebody who didn't serve on jury duty? But because we let people from out of state vote here as a policy, it's against the law, but it's our policy and it's what we do in New Hampshire, we wind up with this mess. That's a complete, clear 14th Amendment violation to have – well, now you have two. So you have a voter – who's in this state voting and has an option of voting in Connecticut or voting at, here in New Hampshire, whichever race is hotter. Now, we know when we caught, uh, well, it was Carl Gibson. Mm-hmm. Carl Gibson was voting in, in the really important race for Supreme Court in Wisconsin while he was voting here in the primaries and the general election. So Carl had the, the benefit of being able to pick the races that were important to him and vote. The uh, Jared Stephen Cram would vote in the primary in Philadelphia and then vote <coughs> in the primary in general here. Right. So... This happens. We catch it. It's true. You can't deny it. And this is what sets up a 14th Amendment violation. And that usually when, when it's a minority and we have a, a 14th Amendment violation, the federal government steps in. I'm hoping the federal government will step in and say, New Hampshire, you have to start following the law. The people who vote in your state have to be from your state, domiciled here legally, and the people yeah. serve on juries because we pick our federal grand juries from the same list. Now, I want to I underscore this just to come back to something you started. Part 1st, Article 11 of the New Hampshire Constitution, the opening two sentences are these. All elections are to be free and every inhabitant of the state, 18 years of age and upwards, shall have an equal right to vote in any election. Every person shall be considered an inhabitant for the purposes of voting in the town, ward, or unincorporated place where he has his domicile. It doesn't even say residence, does it? No. And we confuse those two words because it's, it's simple. But right. inhabitant, that's person who is in the state. And it, your legal inhabitants is your domicile. Look it up in any dictionary. Pick any dictionary. The word domicile has been around since 1470. Mm-hmm. That's how long we've been using this word. But New Hampshire pretends... And it's, it's laughable to read the Supreme Court case where uh, was Steve <clears throat> Labonte was arguing the case for the state of New Hampshire. And three times he stipulates that dom- you can have multiple domiciles but only one residence. Mm-hmm. That, that just flies in the face of common sense. It, it basically corrupts our, our judicial system to play. They're working with this guy. Now, and I want to make this point, too. This has been in our Constitution since June second, 1784. Our Constitution... Uh, this this has been amended. This article has been amended on a handful of occasions in 1903 to provide uh, uh, to provide that in order to vote or be eligible for a person uh, for office, a person must be able to read the English language and to write. Hmm. We're working on ruining that. <laughs> that that's been removed. Uh, amended 18, 1912 to prohibit those convicted of treason, bribery or willful violation of the election laws from voting or holding elective office. 
amended in 1942 to provide for absentee voting in general elections, amended in 1956 to provide for absentee voting in primary elections, amended in 1968 to provide right to vote not denied because of non-payment of taxes, also amended in 1968 to delete an obsolete phrase, amended in 1976 to reduce the voting age to 18, and amended in 1984 to provide accessibility to all registration and polling places. So the point of my bringing this up is that since 1784, the Constitution of the state of New Hampshire has said you must be domiciled in the voting, uh, uh, for the purposes of voting in the town ward or unincorporated place where you cast your ballot. You right. are not domiciled in Durham if you're an out-of-state college kid living in a dorm. And you couldn't apply for in-state tuition. You couldn't fill out right. the form that says uh, residency form for in-state tuition. Right. says put down your domicile domic- under penalty of perjury. And here's the other fun part. If we find out, if the college finds out you lied, you can pay back the tuition. You may not right. have graduated. So for some reason, students aren't smart enough and their parents, their guardians, aren't smart enough to figure out domicile for voting. They, they don't understand they're supposed to vote where they live. But they do understand what's going to happen to them if they lie on their domicile form right. to, to get in-state tuition. They're going to they're get whacked with thousands of dollars in uh, tuition. And the same college that's perfectly happy to have these out-of-state liberal voters elect somebody like Tim Harrigan or Horrigan, whatever his name oh, is. Tim Horrigan. These left-wing, Harrigan. I mean, losers. Well, let me make sure. Losers. <laughs> um, they're happy to have that. And they're happy to have all these extra people for, for all the different things you get from the state because of your population, like right. highway block grant money yeah. is based on population. So they put that population in there and re- <clears throat> redistricting, which we're going to work on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be coming in with some facts and figures about redistricting. That'll be fun, too. So this is all going off to the um, Trump's Election Integrity Commission. Yeah. And these these people understand that language. Ken Blackwell, the former Secretary of State of Ohio. Yeah, he's good. He, know, he knows what he's doing. There's uh, the former Secretary of State of Kansas, of Kansas, I think it no, is. No, Kansas is Kobach. He's uh, the current Secretary of State. This is uh, one of the other Midwestern states. And uh, Hans von Spakovsky. These people understand what domicile means. They actually mm-hmm. know what the terms are. Where you, like qualified voter is the term we yeah. use for a person who's a legal yeah. voter in any state. No, nowhere in here can I see uh, Steve Labonte's argument that because they've established a presence by being in a college dorm, they're eligible to vote in the state of New Hampshire. But that was the guiding principle behind letting eight people from out of state vote from Martha Fuller Clark's house. <clears throat> that was established. Uh, right. a you stole my line. That was what I was going to say. Is Go there ahead. anything in the uh, in the? I take it back. The, 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 the discussion. Sorry, I'm all stuttering here. The decision about living in Martha Fuller Clark's house yeah. for a week. Well, really? remember, establishing a presence under yeah. Steve Labonte's um, way of thinking could be uh, uh, an admitted visitor to a kid who's living in a dorm at uh, Dartmouth, so that he can tell the Hanover Town clerk she must let him vote because he, he has a presence there as a visitor in a dorm room of a of a kid who may or may not live one of the in the most, state of New Hampshire. One of the most embarrassing answers anybody from the Attorney General's office given on anything. On video. Lo- on, on video. On video. Thank you, Project Veritas. All right. Ed Nail, thanks for the update. I, I don't know if you get any time, Ed, but if you want to stick around, we've launched a taxpayers group here in the Queen City. If you get time, we'll talk. If you don't, we'll get it next week. <clears throat> the guys I'm working with can wait. Traffic, weather, and sports.